Distracted driving is getting all kinds of attention in the media. Every day we all see examples of people in their cars talking on their phones or texting. But is the problem truly as big as it's made out to be? Or is this just a bunch of media hype? But if it's not just hype, what should be done about it? Is banning cell phone use really going to get people to stop using their cell phones while they drive? And what's the auto industry's role in all of this? Well, to get to the bottom of those questions, I've got three experts coming on today's show who know a lot about this issue. Buzz Thomas is a former state senator from Michigan, representing Detroit, who wrote a bill to ban texting while driving that was enacted by the legislature. Paul Green is a researcher at the University of Michigan's Transportation Research Institute who has studied these issues for years. And Louis Tiarina deals with this issue at the Ford Motor Company, which is at the forefront of installing electronics technology into cars. So stay right where you are. We're going to have a great in-depth discussion on distracted driving, and we'll get going right after this. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to us here in the studio where we'll be talking about distracted driving with Buzz Thomas, former Michigan senator, now the president of the Thomas Group Consulting. Great to have you here, Buzz. Thank you so much. Also with Louis Tiarina from the Ford Motor Company and Paul Green from Umtree, the University of Michigan Transportation Research Institute. Great having you here too, Paul. Thanks, John. Uh, let's get this going about distracted driving. Buzz, let me throw it to you. We hear a whole lot about this issue. Is it as big an issue as it's being made out to be? Oh, I think it is. I, I, think about when you're driving to work, to your studio here, uh, how many folks you see uh, looking down at their telephones, uh, texting, uh, even, though it's not, even, even though we're not supposed to do that, um, doing any number of things that are uh, distractions that are taking your eye off the road. Um, it's, it's, it's rampant, it's pervasive within our, within our society, and as technology continues to expand, uh, I think it can only get worse until we start to uh, train people to better use the technology and to, at times, uh, be patient uh, in, in that vehicle and uh, not wait to play that game uh, and, until they get uh, to, their, uh, to their location. Lewis, do you see it as big as an issue as it's being made out to be in the media? I think Buzz made a very important point when he talked about looking away. I think that uh, the most recent research that uh, has come out over the, just the past uh, four or five years has indicated that uh, looking away from the roadway is what really gets you into trouble because if something suddenly happens, there's a delay in being able to respond. And uh, we agree that there needs to be a variety of solutions to distracted driving. And uh, obviously, for Ford Motor Company technology is a key part of that, as well as our education and outreach program. Paul, same question to you. Is it that big of an issue? I'd say it is, and it's an issue that's growing. Um, the concerns aren't just the technology that we have now, but the technologies that are coming out in the future, in particular on phones, but also on other devices as well. If you look at phones, what phones are now beginning to offer, there are all kinds of things that are distracting. And a good example is video phone calling. So when we take a phone call right now, there's a lot of concern. Is it a problem? Is it not? But once you add video, then you have the natural tendency when people aren't engaged in a conversation like we are, that you look at the person you're speaking to. Well, if you have a phone, do you then look at the person on the phone? If you have web access, do you start to use that when you drive? If you have a video game, do you start to play that when you drive? So the difficulty we face is how do we predict the future where we don't know exactly what things people will do when they drive? 
Well, the reason I'm asking if it's as big an issue as it's made out to be, because we've got other issues with driving too, drunk driving, reckless driving, speeding and the like. So is this just sort of the, the issue du jour that everyone's focusing in on, or how do you stack it up against these other issues that I just mentioned? Well, they're all, they're all horrible. They're all, they're all distractions, but I think uh, uh, there, there have been plenty of studies that show that you know, really the issue, again, is the distraction in taking your eye off of the road. Uh, and people that are texting um, probably have the same reaction time when they're not looking away at the road or they're playing with their phone and doing something else uh, as a drunk driver. Um, so, you know, I, I, it, the, the issue really comes back to uh, the distraction. All of the thing, all of the above are horrible. Uh, eating, uh, you know, can be just as, just as distracting. Putting on your makeup can be just as distracting. The key, though, uh, is changing, for me, is changing the culture and making folks concentrate on looking forward and uh, paying attention to the road that they're driving on. I guess from my perspective, we need to look at the data that's collected by the United States Department of Transportation. In 2008, about a third of all fatalities were associated with drunk driving. That's nowhere, clear, nowhere close to what's happening with distracted driving, although it, it's, it's still much substantial. much more or much less? It's much more. Drunk uh, driving is. Yes, about 31% of fatalities were associated with speeding. And again, you compare that against somewhere between uh, you know, 11 and 18 percent that may be associated with distraction. That is not to say that it's not a problem, but I think uh, it's important to try to keep some perspective on that. And it's also important, I think, to try to keep perspective on the fact that there are lots of different kinds of distractions. And I think that uh, the uh, distractions that take the driver's eyes away from the driving scene are particularly bad. Paul, how do you rank that? You know, I think Lewis makes a good point here that it's not as big a problem as some of these other problems that are out there. I think that's correct. That's that that's, is what the statistics show. Um, but the difficulty is that we make it a competition among problems. That is, we say, oh, drunk driving, more people die from drunk driving, so therefore we shouldn't pay attention to distraction. And I think that's kind of misleading because all of these are significant causes of losses of life, and we need to focus on all of them, not at the consequence of one versus another. As you guys know, the number of fatalities, motor accident fatalities in this country have plummeted over the last few years. I've never seen such a big drop in injuries or fatalities. So at the same time that we're talking about distracted driving and it being a growing problem and all this technology coming into cars, I mean, you could almost make a perverse argument that the more we add the stuff into cars, the lower the fatalities have been. How do you, how do you, you know, reconcile those two different things? It's um, a little more complicated than that. You have to not just look at the overall crashes, but the number of crashes and the causes of each particular crash. And what we're seeing is that these kinds of distractions are contributing to crashes. Other kinds of technology are coming into play that are reducing problems that used to be the cause of crashes. Um, for example, we're now seeing a lot of lane departure warning systems, so eventually those kinds of crashes will decrease in number. The other point that I think we have to realize is the bigger historical perspective, and that is that over the last few years, we've continued to see a decrease in the number of crashes. But if you go back 10, 15, 20 years, you see when seatbelts were first introduced, there was a huge decrease, and that was much larger than what we've seen recently. Good point. Anyone else care to weigh in? Lewis, you know, you what know, do you think? I, you know, Ford's putting sync and my Ford touch and all this stuff in cars, but like I said, yeah, and we're, accidents are going down. Absolutely. Uh, and an important point to keep in mind is that uh, 
the uh, trends are for crash rates to go down, uh, for fatality rates to go down. It's not just the raw numbers. And during a so period, what you're saying is a percentage of all the miles being yeah, driven is thing, going down. Things through. are getting better. Things are getting better all the time. And it's a very complicated uh, picture, as, as Paul points out. But one of the things that I think is important to, to do is to try to understand it in two or three different ways. One is that uh, we want to try to solve the right problem, and we don't want to try to uh, inadvertently uh, make a situation worse by uh, taking, for example, a technology that could actually improve safety and, uh, say, ban it. And so, for example, during a period from, say, 1995 to about 2009, there was a thousand percent growth in wireless subscriptions in the United States from about 28 million in 1995 to over 280 million at the beginning of 2009, and it's north of that by now. And during that same period, crash rates were falling, uh, fatality rates were falling. Uh, we don't know all of the things that are contributing to that, but what we don't see is an enormous growth associated with the wireless technologies. Um, there are lots of things that could be contributing to it. Paul mentions uh, active safety systems. Ford Motor Company is making heavy involve, uh, investments and heavy involvement in the development of those technologies, but frankly, they're not very uh, significant in the fleet yet. Uh, Anti-lock braking systems, maybe that's hiding a big effect. It doesn't appear so because the U.S. Department of Transportation says, based on their research, that the net benefit or impact of ABS on crash rates is zero. Is it center high mounted stoplights? Uh, you know, initially it was thought that that would reduce crashes by 50%, rear end crashes, which is only one type, and it turns out it's more like maybe three to six percent. Um, enhanced stability control—that's a very good technology, and um, it is something that Ford Motor Company is very much uh, behind in its development. But again, it's relatively rare in the fleet right now, so it's an interesting question. But what we want to try to do is solve the right problem and use a multifaceted approach, because I think it's complicated enough that it will need that. Isn't everything distracting in a car, just about? Uh, you know, Buzz, it's very interesting. Uh, I went back and looked at some editorials that were written in 1930, which is when Motorola first came out mm -hmm. with a radio yeah. in cars. In fact, most people don't know that. Motorola got its name by combining the words motor and radio. Victrola, yeah. like the old Victrola phonographs. That's where it got its name. And in 1930, when Motorola came out with the first in-car radio, people were writing like, you can't have this. It's too distracting. There's no way you can listen to the radio and drive a car at the same time, something that we all do, I think, every time we get in a car. Uh, so is, it's clearly not a new problem, this one with, uh, with distracted driving, but isn't just about anything you do in a car distracting? I, any, I think you're right. I mean, anything you do outside of having your hands at 10 o'clock and 2 o'clock, what every driver must know, uh, and focused on, on the road and using your mirrors, I mean, I, I think that that can be a distraction. Um, but I, I go back to the, the opening question uh, and, and then the responses there. Uh, what the technology, the handheld technology that we now possess, uh, the telephone that I had in my car in 1996 uh, was mounted and installed in that uh, in that car, and that was my first cell phone. The cell phone that I have today, uh, I was reading I was reading the newspaper on um, before 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 I walked into uh, walked into this building. So uh, the advances have become so so far. 
thank goodness for uh, the advances in auto manufacturing safety. Um, the car that I learned to drive on in 1984 uh, and the car that I drive today are, are, night, are night and day. And so I, I, you know, we, we can't discount uh, the advances that uh, uh, just the, the, the sheer engineering has, uh, has, has created. Paul, same thing. It, it, it seems like anything that you would do in a car is distracting, and yet we've got to put up with a certain level of distraction, don't we? Right. There are all sorts of things that can, can be distraction. But I think, as Lewis has pointed out, it's a matter of proportion and measurement. You need to know what are the important things which are most likely to distract. And yes, it's clearly having to do with things that pull your eyes off the road. That is the major concern. When you think about when Motorola first introduced radios, our level of sophistication of understanding driver distraction and how people drive was rather modest. And we've come a long way since then, but we really have a long way to go yet to really be able to predict in advance, is something going to be distracting? And that's one of the technical problems we haven't solved. We can go out and test it and after the fact find out if it's distracting. But we're not very good about predicting in advance, about doing the kinds of engineering to say, before we ever make it, how much will this distract drivers? As a former politician, you have to understand how we think. Inherently, if we see a problem, we want to fix it. There, that's, that's, that's why we got into government. Right. Uh, and so we, we see a problem uh, as, as a policymaker, and therefore we want to fix it. Now, it may, it may not be the, the perfect fix, and, and I, I think in, seldom in life are there perfect fixes for, uh, for, for any one specific problem. Um, but I, I think it is appropriate uh, for lawmakers to uh, have this debate because I think it challenges uh, the auto manufacturers and the researchers to do the research that, we, that, that will help us make better decisions. So, Lewis, what kind of research credited for that. do you do? Because Consumer Reports just came out and knocked uh, my touch forward for being too complicated and distracting. I personally think it's a pretty terrific system, but how does Ford do the research to determine this is safe to put in a car or not? Well, we do our own internal research. We do uh, a lot of research collaboratively with others, and we keep track of what's going on out in the world. One of the things that is a cornerstone of Ford's approach to driver interfaces from now into the future is voice, because there's a new kind of uh, methodology that's being uh, implemented called naturalistic driving research, which indicates that it is looking away from the road scene that is a primary contributor to crash or near crash involvement. Sync helps you keep your eyes on the road and your hands on the wheel. Uh, we do our own work uh, in simulators, we do on-road work, and we have uh, applied these things in order to evolve our systems. We are listening to our customers, we're listening to the critics. Uh, we are going to make my Ford Touch and my Lincoln Touch better and better over the years. Uh, there's a lot of things that are uh, built into those systems that we will uh, leverage, and voice is a key one. It is critical. I.e. being voice activated. So yes. Instead of having to look off and push a button or some, you know, touch screen that you just speak to the car. Is that what you mean? Yes, and also to receive information that may uh, otherwise be presented in a, in a visual format. We're also looking at uh, uh, features within those systems that are already there uh, to simplify a display. For example, the center stack has a lot of functionality in it, but uh, our uh, cluster has a right-hand side LCD panel that gives you a lot of the same information in a simplified fashion. Uh, if you don't want to use the touchscreen, 
uh, you can use the five-way controllers. If you don't want to use the five-way controllers on the steering wheel, you can speak to it. Uh, we have capacitive touch keys for first surface controls that are also redundant with these other dis, uh, controls uh, that are available for the driver who wishes to use them. And that's the set of fundamentals that we will use to improve the system over time. Paul, you're a researcher who looks mm -hmm. at all this. How do you think the auto industry is doing in this regard? Uh, my sense is they're actually starting to do fairly well. That When I talk to a lot of the manufacturers and suppliers, they really are beginning to look seriously about at these problems, about the SAE and ISO, international standard regulations, the government's thinking about things. But what I've seen that I think is most positive is a real growth in their professional staffs and the number of human factors people they employ. And in fact, they're looking very hard to get new people and can't find them. That's a problem that I don't know where the future generations of these people are going to come from because the funding to keep graduate students in school is not there. And that's what you need is graduate level students to in, recruit from? In particular, students at the PhD level to lead the field. The number that are graduating is very small. Oh, and very it's very expensive to support them. That's the problem. And Buzz, from a, a political standpoint, how do you think the auto industry is doing? I think they're doing very well. Um, we, in Michigan, we started this discussion on distracted driving about five or six years ago. Uh, and initially, uh, many companies were dismissive of lawmakers looking at this issue, saying you, didn't, you just didn't understand. Uh, but I, I, I will say to their credit, Ford was the first company to, to step forward and begin the education process of helping us better understand what they're looking at doing and how they're, how they're approaching it. Uh, and now uh, they all uh, engage in a uh, instructive um, uh, dialogue versus simply saying, no, uh, you, can't, uh, you can't do that. So I mean, I, I give them I give them great credit for that, and obviously, as they continue to evolve their technology, they have to sell cars to customers. And um, you know, I, like any consumer, I want the newest and coolest thing in my car too. Um, so you know, I think they're doing a great job at uh, at building that newest, cooler car. As I mentioned before, there's all kinds of things that can be distracting while you drive, and there's talk now of saying uh, that hands-free phones are no safer than a handheld phone. And what I'm trying to do is, is get to the bottom of that. Paul, why, why is it more dangerous for me to talk hands-free mm -hmm. on a phone than to talk to somebody who's sitting in the front seat with me? Well, there's a, now a growing debate about the statistical analysis of that problem, but it is the basic problem of your mind is off the road, not necessarily your eyes are off the road. And we're really just beginning to get an understanding of that. There are just a lot of concerns, especially about some of the early simulator studies and whether they really controlled the things that seemed to matter, where they really controlled the nature of the conversation, the situation under which the experiment was done, and so forth. But nonetheless, the big question remains, is a situation where your mind is off the road a problem? And a lot of people think it is. It's, not, it's clearly not as significant an issue as you're not, if you're not looking at the road. Lewis, how do you guys evaluate this at Ford? Because, I mean, the, I can't see, even with cell phone bans, I don't see people not using their phone in their car. And especially if you have a, a hands-free phone, how's anyone going to, on the outside, going to be able to monitor that? But again, same thing, how, how is it different for me talking to somebody next to me versus a hands-free phone? Well, let me um, just mention that um, very interesting um, naturalistic driving study was uh, recently published by the USDOT. And uh, one of the things that they did was they looked at data that um, was collected with video and, and, uh, 
and kinematic information while uh, people were driving. And what they found was that if you look at um, the uh, relative risk of being engaged in any kind of cell phone activity, so you just call it cell phone, yes or no, as compared to just driving, there was an elevated risk. But then they did something interesting. They looked at the subtasks. They looked at the reaching for the phone, yeah. the dialing the phone, the picking up the phone, and separated out the talking, listening. And out in the world, it was those visual manual tasks that took yeah. your eyes away from the road scene that contributed to crash or near crash involvement. The listening, talking part didn't. And one of the things that's kind of interesting about the um, um, uh, largely academic work that's been done uh, looking at uh, cell phone conversations, the conversations are artificial, yeah. mental puzzles. Uh, you know, I asked you a question about tell me a time when you almost died. I ask you to give me a detailed description of your house. I give you a, a task where I ask you to imagine a circle with a rectangle to the right of it and a cross below it and ask you is the circle to the left or to the right of the rectangle. Things of that nature which really load up a person's um, cognition. And how that relates to real world driving is uh, not fully determined but it does appear to be a lot harder. And in the few studies where people were asked, how did what we asked you to do compare to your normal conversations? Very few uh, said, oh yeah, it's that hard all the time. Paul, years ago you talked to me about this very issue and mm -hmm. you said one of the differences between talking on a phone and somebody in the front seat is, if they see somebody cut in front of the car, the person in the front seat, they mm -hmm. shut up. Right. And, and so that really got me thinking, can't you have some sort of signal that goes through the phone? So if you have the turn signal on, the person mm -hmm. on the other end knows that you're turning. Or if you're braking at XGs of deceleration, mm -hmm. it can cut it out. Or isn't there ways that you can send signals through the phone, you know, hopefully being a hands-free phone, that would let people on the other end know, oh, I better shut up a minute because they got to do something as they drive. Right, and people have proposed those kinds of devices, and I believe there are even some patents for them. But we haven't seen the large-scale evaluation of those kinds of devices. Certainly, they would communicate a message to the other person on the phone. You know, this person is driving, and this is really the wrong time to have them do things. But you're right. There are certain kinds of situations, like when you're maneuvering, exiting, turning, etc., that you're really very heavily loaded. And to be engaged in a phone conversation at that time is really distracting and disturbing to do. Lewis, any thoughts to sending signals to people on the other end of the line so they know what's going on? Well, I don't want to say too much, but we are very interested in those kinds of ideas. Um, I might mention that Sync, for example, currently has a, a do not disturb mode. So if you want to... You can you, opt out if you You can want. opt out if you choose. Right. Um, and I think that that's sort of the beginning of it. But, uh, you know, Paul's right. There are uh, technologies that are being developed that will uh, use something called whisper mode. I mean, those of us that are old enough remember when you called your older brother in Germany to say hi, and they were running out of time, the operator would kind of cut in and say, you need to put more quarters in. It's something like that. And that may be very, very helpful. <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> Buzz, you helped enact a, a texting ban in, in the state of Michigan. I think mm -hmm. there's eight other states plus the District of Columbia and the Virgin Islands mm -hmm. that have also done that. How do you enforce it? I mean, can this really make an impact? 
Well, you know, I think it can make an impact. It's, it's definitely difficult to enforce, and we, we all acknowledged that it was difficult to enforce. Uh, but we have to want to believe that the majority of people want to follow the law. And so that when you know that something is illegal, uh, you know, inherently you don't want to break that law. And so, so we, we start with that premise that people uh, ultimately are law-abiding. Uh, and then uh, it gives us at least a platform, uh, you know, the, a necessary bully pulpit uh, to, again, engage in the discussion and the education necessary to let folks know uh, that you know, they would be better served and those of us driving around them would be better served uh, if they put the phone down, uh, if they took that distraction out of their hands and kept their hands on the uh, wheel. Is there anything being done in driver education, which by and large, I think in this country is not very good. It's uh, not an, a lot of driving. It's a lot of textbook stuff. But is there anything that can be done in driver education that would at least start a new generation who tend to use most of this electronic stuff in the car anyway on, mm -hmm. on the path to good driving? Well, you know, a lot of, a lot of states now are, are having the discussion about uh, completely restricting the use of cell phones by young drivers. Uh, you know, we, we've, we've gone from, you know, I remember on my 16th birthday, I got my driver's license. Now that doesn't happen anymore. You go through a graduated uh, yeah. process. Um, so, I mean, there, there has, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, uh, re re you know, continuing to restrict young drivers until they're of a more mature age to be able to use that technology, just like we now uh, tend to restrict the number of passengers that they can have in the car to add to that distraction. So I think uh, that's, where, uh, that, that, that's where government is going right now. Real good. With that, we're going to have to wrap this up. But Buzz Thomas, thanks so much for stopping by. Paul Green, Louis T. Arena, thank you too. And I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. I think a number of important points came out in today's discussion on distracted driving. First, it is a problem, but not as big a problem as some other issues, like drunk driving. Also, Lewis Tree Arena sure seemed to be hinting that Ford's looking into this concept of having cell phones send information to the person outside of the car, that the person in the car has their hands full, and that maybe they ought to stop talking until it's safe to do so again. And I thought Paul Green raised a disturbing issue that the United States doesn't have enough graduate students to recruit from to stay on top of these distracted driving issues. And Buzz Thomas made a great point that banning texting while driving can help, but it's going to take more of a concerted effort to make sure that people don't do it. I hope you found this discussion informative, and I invite you to join us again here next week as we delve into the issues that impact the automotive industry.